0: Google wants me to add a phone number to my account. Go away. Yeah, fuck Google. I don't want them calling me. Hey, what are they going to call me for?
1: <laughs> hey, uh, Give Paul. me the Ideology of Madness hotline number. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, uh, we, we, we can't help but notice you've been searching for a lot of porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just curious as to why. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you check uh, Paul's recent Google searches and it's it, everything begins with nude. Nude Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Nude Lindsay Lohan. nude Barbara <laughs> Walters. <laughs> oh, that sounds
2: disturbing.
0: So here's what our list looks like.
2: Oh, it's long, isn't it?
0: It's not too bad. It's a little long. Uh, new movies, Ted and the Amazing Spider-Man. Woo! There's the Cyber Force for Free thing. Okay, then Marvel Now. All right. Uh, Batman Death of the Family.
1: Uh,
0: Amazing Spider-Man 689. Actually, we should probably go with before, Ozzyman, before Watchmen, After Batman.
1: Wait, wait, wait. At what point are we going to talk about my balls? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> uh, wait, wait,
0: wait.
3: <laughs>
2: We'll do that before the movie.
3: How about after the Skype count? <sighs> <Close.
2: laughs> but his balls are trendy, Tim. My you balls? don't understand. Oh, no. Hashtag <laughs> my balls. <laughs> Didn't you see all the people out there talking about him? Uh... <laughs> Click on that hashtag sometime. It's amazing who's talking about Aaron's balls. I think I think I think, I think Rihanna was talking about. Him. You did not. What? T-Fury? No, Wayne. Yeah. TimeandDate.com countdown, mom. <laughs> oh, oh good. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Wayne, you're a genius. A oh, criminal dude. genius. And you can put it on the iPhone app. Oh. oh.
1: Jesus Christ. See, what it, what it needs is that it needs that uh, 24 sound effect. Doot, 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 doot. <laughs> <laughs> i think mean,
4: oh, this is this is now our my new, new homepage. page and on new year's at midnight there's going to be a string of tweets that come out you know what that says to me
1: paul's gonna have you killed between now and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> what you've it's done a, is you've uh, set your own <laughs> your own expiration date wayne <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I was talking
0: to my dad the other day <laughs> and i was like oh dad we talked about you on the podcast
2: Why would you you say that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, all I said was that you know I was because he was talking about the Mark Hamill thing. Anyway, but we didn't say anything bad about him. But he's like, I hope you treated me nicer than you treated your mom. (laughs) 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 Uh, Nobody else does. Heyo. So all right, so quit the podcast by December thirty first. Got it?
2: (laughs) Or have Wayne
0: (laughs) killed? Or have Wayne killed? But that's, that's really a- the preferential. The preferential. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's an equally viable option.
0: True, true. Man, I it's think it's easier, really.
1: By this, by midnight, December thirty first, Paul will
4: have settled all family business. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, there'll be a string of about twenty tweets that come out at that time.
0: Well, no one cares about Twitter. I'm more concerned about the podcast.
4: <laughs>
0: uh, Amazing Spider-Man six eighty nine.
1: Now, Wayne, what we could always do is just release a special, you know, a midnight release podcast of all of your pent-up, you know, Paul's mom jokes.
3: I'm sure I like this idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. We recorded earlier and then just drop it. That's right.
2: Just at 1201. No. Namakusta. Paul, I don't know why you're not on board.
0: (laughs) I wonder why.
2: (laughs) Have we not talked about being a team player? Do we need to talk about this? Here's the awesome thing about it. Hey, Paul, can I get some show art for that?
4: (laughs) (laughs) You have 177 days, 16 hours, 37 minutes, and 22 seconds.
1: I'm Aaron. I'm Paul.
4: This is Wayne. This is Tim. I'm uh,
2: that one. Um, I'm Andrew. That's it.
0: The other one, as we refer to him.
2: <laughs> I always <laughs> said new Jonathan, but then you know, I was trying to remember who I was.
3: You have I mean, a name tag. Use it.
2: <laughs> oh right, I do. But he can't read upside down. as his problem? Uh, so that's, see, that's no, I see. No, I fixed that. I turned the name tag upside down.
1: There you go. There you go. You say problem solver. <laughs> I,
2: I'm. I'm a bright boy. My
1: mom
4: says. Like that's I'll like go. a
1: Six Sigma solution is what that is. My mom told <laughs> me I'm
2: special, so I'm not going to argue with her.
4: You know, I just figured you were mesmerized by the countdown.
2: You know, I've got it. It's now on my homepage. so uh, <laughs> Every time I log into my computer report Internet Explorer, it's going to be there flashing those big numbers as it counts down. It, it, what exactly is it counting down to, Paul?
0: Wayne's. Uh, expiration date.
4: Uh, <laughs> you should make a point, Aaron, to include it in the show notes. A link. You should not make a point to include it in the show notes.
1: I'm
2: torn on this one.
4: <laughs> it, it's Wayne's use
1: by date.
3: <laughs> I kind of want you, the, the fans to be able to count down with Wayne. Use <laughs> or freeze by. Yeah, <sighs> but Paul, it's not all bad, is it? It's,
0: oh it's not all bad this is true um monday or was it tuesday it was tuesday i think i was working from home just hanging out and there's a knock on my door pretty early in the morning and so i you know i, I opened the door and it's some dude with a package
2: whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> See, i mean he's wearing like all leather is he uh dressed like a police officer what what type of i mean he's wow like I've male got strippies that
4: start like this yeah
2: That's
0: a mail package. Well, like a M-A-I-S <laughs>
2: package. Oh, so you're not making it better.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, he's like, oh, I need you to sign for this. I'm like, okay, well, well I'm know. not really expecting anything. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he says, uh, well, it says Disney Rewards, so uh, maybe oh, everyone's yeah. happy.
4: And <laughs> it low- still low- sounds like a poor... It does. <laughs> <laughs> if you're expecting it, it sounds like there was some bad advertising there
2: oh jesus no, paul's like paul's like i wasn't expecting anything sir and i was like ah well it's a reward maybe we'll all be happy
0: <laughs> are you making this up no i'm serious this is exactly what happened <laughs> uh, and uh lo and behold it was my copy of john carter on blu-ray Ooh, i man. actually did win it and so have you watched it yet I have not
1: watched it yet. Special features are awesome on that disc. I mean, it doesn't look like there's that many. They, they they do a really nice documentary on on Edgar Rice Burroughs. It's really yeah. really a very nice disc.
0: Hmm, okay. Well, I look forward to watching it. And it's not just the the, the bare bones Blu-ray. It has the DVD in it as well
1: and the digital copy.
0: Uh, I don't think it's the digital copy version.
1: Oh. Yeah. My Oh yeah, cuz I got the uh, I got the the 3D package which has the 3D disc, the Blu-ray disc, and then the digital copy, you know Does it I have actually, a special
4: feature where they fire
1: all their marketing, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, I think that's for the uh, special director's cut, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the director was cut all right from the sequel
1: um, no <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the sequel was cut from the sequel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no i I was just very happy, but I, I I apparently not only was I a potential winner, I was an actual winner of John Carter on Blu ray, and all I had to do was answer some Twitter question.
2: I didn't even give away all your identifying information.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I I only found out about it because uh, I I didn't follow John Carter on Twitter, but uh, Ron Mars retweeted the contest. So I was like, oh, I know the answer to that one.
4: Maybe the countdown is actually a countdown to identity theft for Paul. Oh, no, that's already (laughs) happened. (laughs)
0: Yeah, then it would be a flashback, not a countdown.
2: That's right. Well congratulations, Paul. That's yeah. that's pretty awesome. Paul's a winner. I won. You know I'm what excited. else you know what else is a winner this week? What's that? Aaron's balls. That's true.
0: Really I think of those more as a loser, wouldn't you? I mean. Oh, no.
2: No, this week uh, they got pampered. This week they got <laughs> they got extra special care, tendered, loving care, even.
3: Just in case you're scoring at home, this is the second Aaron's balls conversation in about two months.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I went in for my uh, my return annu- of the sack. That's right, return of the sack. I went in for my annual ultrasound on my my, my down there, you know, and uh, you know, I I've gone for six years now. For uh, for 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 the service, if you will,
0: he's gone (laughs) weekly for six years.
1: (laughs) Well, and it it was really kind of weird this time, uh, because normally the procedure is you go into the to the little bathroom that's off the exam room and they have you, you know, uh, take off your pants, put on a gown, you know, walk in the next room, get on the table and then they arrange you and begin the exam. So I walk in and it's the same woman who has, uh, you know, worked on my balls for a couple of years now. And, you know, she's like, do you just want to drop your pants here? <laughs> and and I'm just like, I I mean, it was like it was like when your uncle Phil, you know, uh, you know, takes you into the basement. I mean, <laughs> just like I was like, um, um, I guess I can. I mean, I'm just like she's going to see it anyway, but it just felt so dumb. Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she just kind of turns and looks at her monitor as I, you know, you know, drop my drop my drawers and get on the table. But it, it just it there was such a weirdness about it. And then the application of warm gel. Um it, it was a, it was a different experience this time because no lie, twenty-five minutes spent on my ball exam. Twenty five minutes
2: right. uh, as far uh,
4: as, I mean as far as what I'm hearing it just sounds like she likes you
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> she really wanted to get
4: right to it and then she wanted to save her <laughs> yeah,
0: really that was the longest ball exam Aarons had in his life
1: I, I, just about I mean <laughs> I mean I I didn't get this much action on prom night it was uh
4: <laughs> it was uh it was disturbing it was disturbing yeah, no, uh, d- you haven't had that much attention paid to him since you and Paul were in a motel room together at Fear the Con. And that was a year ago. Now, I'd like to point <laughs> out that, that Paul really, you know,
1: kind of uh, spurned my my advances in, at Fear the Con 4. Sure he, did. He was all into Andrew. Sure was. This was all into Andrew. I'm going to go have a beer with Andrew. I'm going to go have lunch with Andrew. Andrew's dreamy. I love Andrew.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so let's. We we got to say something because, like, Wayne's story cannot be true because 25 minutes, I'll be damned. You ask me for a neck rub and, like, two seconds later, I'm moving on to the next thing. I have no <laughs> patience. <laughs> it's like, I want a neck rub. Okay. Done.
4: So Paul you. just wants to clarify that, no, he's not that good. I'm not that good. <laughs> no, one, no one thought you were, Paul. No one seriously thought that you were.
3: <laughs> uh, good job paul yeah, good, <laughs>
4: good job <laughs> but Aaron,
3: i'm sure it was a come down from the fifth year anniversary of your ball exam when they made you swedish meatballs for the exam right
1: god well you know that's what happens when you get your you know ultrasound at ikea
4: so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh, anyway so if anyone's curious you know everything's stable in my, uh in my boy region in so, ball land,
3: yeah. And now land. a ball watch update with Aaron Head.
1: It, it, it's you know if you it, in ball your ballular news.
3: this
1: show has so goddamn I know, Tim. You should probably not
0: make any ball jokes unless you want that to be the show title. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, now, Aaron, Sorry. I know that after my balls uh, are well, are well maintained, you know, maintained. I, I like to, you know, I have certain rituals. Do you have anything you usually like to do after this uh, after this exam? Do you go out for like a celebratory lunch, or uh, you know, I like to go see a movie. You so know, you like to go I... and sit in a dark
1: room by uh, yourself? Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. Or you know, you know, two or three hundred other people. You know.
2: <laughs> so what'd you go see? Well,
1: I saw Ted last week. You know, the movie Ooh. with uh, Marky Mark and the talking teddy bear
2: and, and Mila Kunis.
1: And we'll, we'll, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and, that,
0: and the other one
1: <laughs> i you know i know that there was a woman in the movie i could not have told you her name okay um but she was you know easy on the eye so you know i'll say that but uh, <laughs> the eye the the old one eye well uh, well, <laughs> well in case you're nick fury and you've got your eye patch thing going on so indeed indeed that's, uh, that's really
0: what he was referencing
1: that's right i i thought that movie was hysterical have you guys seen it
2: I, have. I, know, I I want to see it. Oh, sorry. Go on.
0: Oh, no, I was going to say, I have seen it
2: I, and uh, I, I want to see it, but I've not yet seen it. If, if you are into, you know,
1: crass talking teddy bears, oh, yeah. uh, this movie is, is right up your alley. I mean, you know, it's Seth MacFarlane, uh, I guess wrote and directed the movie. Correct. Um, and I mean, it, there is such a family guy sensibility to the film. And I just love family guy. Uh, I, the movie was, was outrageously funny.
0: I, 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 didn't, I didn't like it as much as Aaron. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, it, it very much has a Family Guy sensibility. In fact, half of the people in the movie are Family Guy voices, right. including Mila Kunis. Um, True. But uh, I, I, I thought it was a little long. I thought it was about 20 minutes too long. Because it's, it's, it's a good hour and 50 minute long movie. And uh, you know, I, I feel like it kind of stretched there at the end. But I mean, I enjoyed it up and t- up until honestly the last twenty minutes. where I was like, this movie could have ended like twenty minutes ago. Um, up until then, I really thought it was funny. Then the teddy bear man, I, I would buy a Ted. A <laughs> a <teddy> <laughs> well,
2: I talk to. I like it in the previews where he is working the cash register uh-huh. and like the the girl he's flirting with is laughing and then he starts doing the thing with the candy bar. He looks over, she's like just a pause, like oh oh so that's. That's our limit, huh?
1: Yeah, and 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 what you saw there was not actually the limit. <laughs> yeah, that was not the limit. The limit was a little worse, actually. Yeah. Awesome. Or, or or a lot worse. I there, there, are so many favorite scenes I have in the movie. I mean, where I just I was almost laughing myself unconscious. Uh, it 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 is an awfully funny movie. So highly recommend, Ted.
0: Are you sure you were laughing, or were you crying from the pain of your balls being fondled?
1: No, I don't think I, I may have been, you know, you know, uh, laughing from the pain of, uh, of uh, you know, um, the 25 <laughs> minutes. So, you know, no, I, I was good. I was good. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I don't think I have much emotional scarring. Not much. <laughs> much. <laughs> well,
0: you also saw Amazing
1: Spider-Man, did you not? I did. Ooh. I did. And, I was very excited. Well, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to like the movie really and, and uh you know i mean I, anybody who's been listening to the show uh will have heard you know our our commentary that now nah, we weren't excited about this this movie that you know we didn't feel like we needed a new origin story but you know i'm really kind of Toby who after this movie because i thought this did this was better than all 3 of the other spider-man movies combined
4: yeah and i'm the i'm the same way i went in thinking it might be okay at best yeah, I went in with very low expectations based on the previews, and especially based on the stills, but I was blown away with how much I enjoyed the movie.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, definitely better than. I mean, because I don't like the three previous Spider Man films. And I know a lot of people say that Spider Man, oh, greatest film ever since, you know. I'm in the minority when it comes to some superhero films because I don't like the Christopher Reeves Superman films, and I don't like the Sam Raimi Spider Man films. Um, And so I was looking forward to this. And I mean, not so much that I took the day off from work like I did for the Avengers and I will for Batman. But enough that I was, you know, that I saw it opening day and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, This guy, Andrew Garfield, perfect. Perfect.
4: So so I'm going to ignore the blasphemy here so we can go on and talk about uh, this movie. But uh, I what I found interesting was this was a. I don't want to say he was perfect at all because I don't I don't think that's the case. He still bothers me look wise, but this was a new Peter Parker. So when I look at it, the Peter Parker we saw in this movie was not the same Peter Parker as any other Peter Parker in any media they've ever released. And I'm fine with that. It was a it was a new and different take on the character, which I found interesting. I uh, I was particularly taken with Emma Stone
1: as Gwen Stacy.
4: Yes, um, I I also think they took uh, her her version of Gwen Stacy almost entirely from Sensational Spider-Man cartoon. Well, I what
1: what I was so taken with on on the actress, what, she did such a fine job of embodying that character. I mean, mm-hmm. you're kind of like Peter Parker in that movie; you, you fall a little bit in love with her. I mean, she she is perfect in that role, and you know, we were midway in, and I was like. Oh, I know what's going to happen here. And it's, you know, uh, I, I realized where we fell in the Spider-Man story, you know. And so, you know, I knew I I, I anticipated the ending of the film um, that I won't spoil from anybody. But, you know, if you've if you've read the uh, the comics, you know, you you kind of you'll figure it out as you're going through. Yeah. Which tells me that, you know. The ne- what what the next thing's gonna happen in the,
4: in the next movie <laughs> I <laughs> you know I hope that you're wrong about that for the next movie I really enjoyed as Gwen Stacy and when I pieced together you know the same thing you did I'm thinking no no I don't want bad things to happen to her yeah I I really enjoyed it and I I
1: was not expecting to like her so much because, you know, while I enjoyed you know Spider-Man one and two, the two Sam Raimi films, um, Kirsten Dunst was was uh, not who I would have pictured as Mary Jane.
0: Yeah, it, and it tickles me that you ignore that there was a third one.
1: I, 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 I don't even yeah I, I, I ignore that one. That one's terrible. Um, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, I I Kirsten Dunst. I mean I she. She wasn't objectionable, but she's just not ever who I would have cast in that role. I am having a hard time imagining anybody else playing Gwen Stacy. Yeah. I, Emma Stone did such a
4: remarkable job in that role. Like, when I look back, uh, Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane wasn't Mary Jane. I mean, nothing about the character really fit any of the Mary Janes we've seen. And Emma Stone just embodied Gwen Stacy. She looks like her, the personality's there. It's seems like it's taken right off of the Sensational Spider-Man cartoon you know and it's just I really really got into her as Gwen Stacy what I'm surprised by is all of the the hate for the original Spider-Man films I keep seeing when they first came out were incredibly popular everyone was raving about how they basically rebooted the uh, the whole idea of a superhero film that yes you could do a costume and Everyone seemed to love them at the time. And now people that were raving about them go on about how oh I never really liked them.
1: Well I think what it suffers from is recency. The recent experience with that franchise was Spider-Man three.
4: And, and that's and, what I think too. And
1: you know, if you if your last experience of of, of enjoying this thing that you really loved was a shit burger you know, uh, you're gonna go. I don't ever want to
0: have that again. That was awful. No, and, you know, here's I, I have I have never really enjoyed the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, and but you know what? I, again, I know I'm in the minority because I never liked the the first X-Men film by Brian Singer either. I, I just, I, what's wrong
4: I, with you, Paul? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. What is wrong
0: with you? I, I I'm like trying the, to
4: hold it back
3: because I know we've had this conversation, <sighs> but god damn, Paul,
0: I like the sequels of both of them better. I like Spider-Man 2 better than I like Spider-Man 1. I like X-Men 2 better than I like X-Men 1. But I didn't really care for the first ones at all.
4: You know what I find amusing? This is an origin movie. I've seen more comparison to Spider-Man 2 than I have the original Spider-Man. And part of it is because the topic that keeps coming up is that he can't keep his freaking mask on. Yeah, that is irritating in the movie. It was something that really bothered me. But it didn't bother me nearly as bad as it did in Spider-Man 2. Because at least here in this movie, he doesn't take his mask off in front of people. He's uh, some of the time the mask is off is because he's demasked. I mean, it didn't bother me nearly as much as it did in Spider-Man Two. It still bothered me, but just not as much. Now I have to say that you know, continuing along the
1: trend of just excellent casting in the movie, I thought Martin Sheen was fantastic as Uncle Ben. Yeah, and and I liked the take on Aunt May. Uh, generally, I'm not a fan of, of Sally Field, but uh, I thought she did a really good job as Aunt May and did not annoy me at all.
0: How can you S- not be a fan of Sally Field? Isn't everyone a fan of Sally
3: Field? I'm not. Sally Field was Aunt May.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Aaron, does that make you feel old? <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, because she looked like the youngest youngest Aunt May yet. That's right. I
3: was just going to say, wasn't she just in Smokey's Corvette? Yeah,
4: she was in Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, she She's not a gray-haired Aunt May is. she still who's? has black hair and she's yeah it's she's the youngest aunt may that we've seen in any iteration yet
2: who's smoky and or the bandit
0: Andrew, up, Andrew.
1: leave. <laughs> <laughs>
0: who is smoky and the bandit too
2: no. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you guys are talking about.
1: Here that. I, I've grown out my Burt Reynolds mustache for for Andrew, and you know yeah, that is that is a sweet stash.
2: <laughs>
0: well, just tell him it's
1: from Boogie Nights; he'll
2: get that. Is <laughs> that the Marky Mark one? That is the Marky Mark the, movie, the Marky Mark movie. But that's not the one with the foul-talking bear. Ooh, but well, wouldn't no. that be a nice?
1: Uh, you know, that would be a nice, addition a nice to sequel, the movie You know, <laughs> Boogie Nights two. Ted and
4: dance. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the last thing I have to say about Amazing Spider-Man, besides just how good it was, how much I enjoyed it, there were two things about it that surprised me, besides the fact that I liked it, because I didn't expect to like it. One of them was, like I said, this is a new version of Peter Parker. His personality is nothing like any Peter Parker we've seen in any comic book ever. You know, we have not seen the skater Peter Parker. We have not seen the Peter Parker that is not Flash's primary you know punching bag this is a completely new peter parker so i didn't expect that at all and the other thing that surprised me was when they went through and they redid an origin i naturally expected an updated version of you know the wrestling bit and that we got a brand new origin with no wrestling that surprised me
1: yeah, I, I thought that was nicely done. That they, they tagged those elements, but they didn't yep. show you the way you've seen them before. I, I, that was nice. This is the best Uncle Ben death yet. And you know, I I really enjoyed. I really, <coughs> enjoyed <it. laughs> I, really enjoy, I really enjoyed uh, the moment on the screen that Flash Thompson and Peter Parker had. You know, after Uncle Ben's death, I was just like, this is just yep. such a well-made movie.
4: Flash shall... is a character. Yeah. He's not a stereotype like he has been in, you know, most versions. And he, and he certainly comes across that way the first time you meet him on
1: the screen. But I just—it's just a—it's just, just a very good, very good, very well-made movie. I—I I, I totally enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I, I enjoyed it. I wish, and here's here's one of the one of the few negative things I have to say about the film, is that I wish, like in Avengers, there was all this fan service. And I don't feel there was a tremendous amount. I feel there was a, a lot of missed opportunity for fan service in Spider-Man.
1: Do you think that is a function of the fact that it's a it's a Sony Pictures movie versus a Marvel Studios movie?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think that is a hundred percent the reason for it. Yeah, um, you know, because Sony's interested in getting out a Spider-Man movie, not a Spider-Man comic book movie that the comic fans will love. You know, because right. um, I mean, there were just missed opportunities. I feel you know, there's a Hispanic student that B- Peter takes his name. You know, the kid could have been called Miles, Miles Morales. Right. I mean there 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 just could have been a ton of easter eggs that wouldn't have taken away from anybody's enjoyment but would have added to a comic fan's enjoyment of the film.
4: This was the best Stanley cameo in any of oh. the movies yet. No doubt. I
1: totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Fantastic cameo by by Stanley.
4: Yeah,
0: so I mean, I I but I thought it was really good. i they've already announced that there's going to be another two films. So you know, I, I think this is the right cast for it. I I I, I, pre-
1: I can predict what will happen at the end of Act Two. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you're wrong. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I, th- I think we're all
0: we're all kind of on board with this one. Unless, yeah. oh no, we're, we're not on that. I was going to say, unless a certain character comes back in the pages of Marvel now, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're looking at. Part two being the Empire Strikes Back of this one, yeah,
1: completely agree.
0: But on a on a on a happier note, <laughs> free comics, free, free,
2: free comics day.
0: No, no. Oh, so it was announced uh, earlier this week that uh, Top Cow. We'll be putting together a Kickstarter campaign to bring Cyberforce back to the pages of comic books. And if the project is funded, the comic will be given away for free both digitally and in print, um, a four-issue miniseries. Now, the, they, the they're they going to give away a print version free? And a print version. Huh. Okay. Um, and now, here's the thing. The Kickstarter campaign hasn't started, so I don't know what the levels are and what the goal is but the, the but supposedly if if the project gets funded both print and digital free
4: yeah it is a really cool idea it's a shame they're not doing it with a good book i think cyberforce has the potential to be good. <laughs> it has to... <laughs> All you know, evidence to the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> it would it would have to be a completely new take, which it does look like it's a completely new take on it. Yeah. And Top Cow is putting out some good stuff. so It does have the potential of being good. It doesn't have the track record of it, though. Cyber Forces only ever had one interesting character, Velocity, who only became interesting when she got a pilot season. Now, I know that... Uh... That
1: and uh, that Wayne doesn't much care for Cyber Force, and I have to admit that I have never much cared for Cyber Force. Is there anybody here who enjoyed it in its day? In its day, I enjoyed it.
0: I mean okay. we're talking you know, mid mid to late 90s. Right. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. it when it so
4: first came out. The guy that doesn't like the Richard Donner Superman or the, uh, the first Spider-Man movies or the first X-Men, he likes the book. That's all we need to know. So, so I, Paul – would- I'm sorry, I did mean talk
1: over you, Andrew. Go ahead. I
2: was going to say, I mean, for the day, I enjoyed it as well, but more because of the the gorgeous art than the story. The story wasn't anything I would say was gripping, but it was yeah. a beautiful looking book.
0: Well, the same would be true of any image book at the beginning, right? I mean, you go back and read any of those books and they're all shit, but they're still <laughs> they're still gorgeous to look at.
1: So that's what you enjoyed about
0: it, Paul. You enjoyed the art. Yeah, I mean, it It was 1996 or sure. 7. You know, I mean, that's, of course, that's what I enjoyed about it. I mean, you know, as a teenager, every, especially when Image came out, it was all about image. You know, the story was second. I mean, otherwise, why would I buy the first 12 issues of Youngblood, you know? Well, let's, yeah. let's be clear. Yeah.
1: Story wasn't second, it was behind lettering and the inking. <laughs> yeah.
0: Story wasn't existing. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I, I did enjoy Cyberforce when it came out. In fact, I think the only image book that, in the, in the inaugural seven or eight books that I didn't care for was Wetworks, and that's because I didn't even like the art <laughs> by Wills Spratassia. But no, I enjoyed Cyberforce at the beginning. Now, since then, of course, I, I feel it's a property that hasn't been utilized, yeah, correctly. Um, I know Ron Mars wrote a series, but I did not read it. Um, but I mean, I, I'm going to give. I mean, I'm I'm going to support the Kickstarter
1: campaign. I am. You know, I, I want to see I I'm, I'm curious about the kickstarter and it'll depend on who the art team, the creative team is. Have they announced that yet? Um, they have not to my knowledge. I haven't seen it in any of the articles. Okay. It uh, would, the, it, uh, would the, it would depend on the creative team, particularly if there's a writer there that I've got some respect for because, you know, uh that that is why I didn't groove to most of the image books back in the 90s is that, you know, the stories just
4: weren't there.
2: What uh, if what if Paul Tobin's writing the story?
1: I'd be all over that i right. that like white on rice. But, yeah. uh, you know, the it,
4: stories weren't there, but the muscles were and the feet usually weren't either. <laughs> you know, I, I I do like the
1: idea of, of Kickstarter for some of these things. You know, what I'd really love to see uh, is a, like a, a Magdalena Kickstarter. Yes. I, I mean, agree. I, you know, we had that conversation with Ron Mars several weeks ago. But I think on these these kind of passion pro- projects, where you know maybe the 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 floppy sales aren't there, but the trade sales are. I'd love to see them doing kickstarters
4: on this stuff. Yeah, no, yeah I for a Magdalena book. Oh yeah, you know my
0: concern with this one, my main concern with this Kickstarter, um, especially since there's all this hype around it now, uh-huh. is. What are the rewards going to be? Right. Because, you know, comic fans, we're all a bunch of bastards. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's be honest. We are all a bunch of bastards, and we're not going to kick in on something that everyone can get for free if it gets funded. Right. Without getting something out of it. And I will, you know, because, I mean, we know these guys. We've talked to them before. They're great guys. I want to support them. But that's not the general feeling. Someone, You know, you know half of the times you look at what the reward is before you kick in just for the hell of it.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah I, I think that so, they're gonna have to do something like a limited edition hardback or limited edition trade paperback at, at a certain level, so you can really get in there
0: yeah because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm concerned that people will not contribute to it because they'll just wait on the sidelines and yeah. try to get it for free when it comes out
1: yeah I do think that there is a there is a passion base you know for folks who 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 are really into either the creators or the project who want to to feel like they're a part of it. You, know, you see on a lot of the Kickstarters where there's a dedication page to everyone who kicked kicked in yeah. you know you particularly see that in you know, like RPGs and anthology books and whatnot um, I am sure that that this will make its goal and that depending on how they set the goal will probably well exceed it so I, I would hope they would take a page from some of the very successful Kickstarters such as uh, you know Fred Hicks uh, evil hats uh, uh, Kickstarters, where there there is ongoing addition of uh, of you know of prizes of 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 levels and and the, and the giveaways, so that uh, they're able to to continue well past their goal. You know, I I, I I see so many people do Kickstarters and they just get it wrong. You know oh, yeah. that, that there just aren't good incentives for people to keep giving and and to you know uh, where you have have the you know unlocking achievements essentially throughout the Kickstarter.
0: Well, and you know that in Kickstarter, you know, and I feel a little bad, but I'm going to admit this on the show. There you go. I did not contribute to the Fairy Quest Kickstarter um, by Paul Jenkins and Umberto Ramos. Uh,
1: uh, you uh, were I the could- one.
0: Now, if every, if everyone remembers, Andrew on air revealed that he had a buddy who picked up Fairy Quest for me, signed by Umberto Ramos at a. It might have even been last year's San Diego Comic Con, for all it I was, remember. It was. And um, I was super excited about that, and uh, but you know they they put a Kickstarter for I guess the next bit of graphic novels, but I mean the, it was, it was kind of like some outrageous amount, um. To to get to some outrageous goal. And they did meet it. But But it's a little sad because all of the goals that I could afford, I had everything for. Like I had the statue. I had the book one. I had stuff like that. Like they weren't promising copies of book two. They were promising copies of everything that they had already released. And so I already had everything, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I could contribute because I, you know, like the creators, but I, I ended up not contributing. I mean, I'll yeah. contribute my hard-earned dollars when the book comes out, and I'll pay for it. Yeah. Um,
1: there have I, there have been projects like that that I've not kicked in on because you know at the levels that I could afford to participate on, I already had it or wasn't interested. Yeah, and you, I, it, I'm sorry, it's not charity. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm not just gonna you know kick in fifty bucks because
4: I like the guy. I'm going to kick in because I'm going to get something that I want. You know, if they really wanted to raise their money, they would have just put a uh, some level in there of, you know, d- give this amount and Umberto Ramos will never do Spider-Man again. They would have taken all my money.
2: Hey, did you guys see that Gen- <laughs> Genesode's Kickstarter is up to $6,600 towards her? Uh, She's got a twelve
1: or a $13,000 goal.
2: Uh, well, that's a, a $12,500 goal. Yeah. So she uh, has got 15 days left, 170 backers, and we're halfway there. Project Ninja Panda Taco. (laughs) You know, for the longest time, that name is so ridiculous. But then I actually read, uh, you know, she released details about what the game is about, and I'm actually interested in it, despite the ridiculous name.
1: I have to say that when we had her on the podcast, I just assumed that that was a placeholder name. (laughs) <laughs> me too yeah
2: yeah 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 no because I before. the form like this is project Iberian but that's not what's really called it's yeah. you know it's called something else yeah but no that's what she's actually going with Wow but huh. I do like the art the little the little panda face with the ninja mask on and the taco right in front of it yeah. I do like that art
1: well and I have to say that it is uh, what she has shown of the game so far is very well produced you, know, you yes. can tell she's put a lot of thought into it and that she has, you know, spared no expense on uh, you know, time or finances on, you know, producing a quality product. So, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what it's going to look
3: like. Yeah. yeah so, think- Marvel uh, Marvel's coming out with a uh, re- reboot, right? Everybody read that? I don't
2: I don't think it's a reboot. Well, no, according no, it's to, not a reboot.
1: According to Gail Simone on Twitter, this is a reboot. It, well, according to Dan
2: Slott on Twitter, <laughs> this is not a reboot. <laughs> so Who are we going to believe? Gail Simone yeah. or Dan Slott? It and according to, Marvel, it has no, it had,
3: according to Marvel, it has nothing to do with the fact that DC rebooted. Nothing. It has nothing to do with the amazing sales that DC did last summer either. You know, and here's the thing.
0: Okay, so we're talking about the Marvel Now initiative. Uh, was that Marvel uh, Right Now? Marvel. No, it's Marvel in the future. It's, oh, so uh, It's a Marvel later now. Marvel later now. Later
2: Marvel. Marvel now. later now. No Marvel now later. Yes, <laughs>
0: it's a now and later.
2: Yeah, it's okay. a now and later. There we go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Marvel announced, you know, that it's starting. I believe in October. Every week they're going to have at least one number, brand new number one title. Basically, not rebooting the universe, but restarting. You know, basically restarting a whole bunch of titles at number one. Which you know, let's be honest. Happens all the fucking time at Marvel. Um, You know, in fact, I was reading an interview with someone from DC the other day and they're like, do you feel that Marvel was inspired by the new 52, you know, with all these number ones. And the guy from DC said, I can't think of a single month where Marvel didn't have a bunch of new number ones. Um, But this is kind of a concerted effort because all the creative teams are shifting. Um, Now I don't, from what I've seen, they're not bringing in new writers, They're just kind of shuffling all their existing creative teams and bringing in some new artists uh, and, you know, moving teams and stuff around. But, yeah, I guess the first title is Ultimate Avengers or Uncanny Avengers. It's Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny Avengers by Rick Remender and John Cassidy. I
1: don't know. What do you guys think about this? I like Rick Remender and I like John Cassidy.
4: As do I. I. I I'm really excited about the Marvel Now thing. Because I I think this is going to breathe some fresh air into Marvel. Marvel's kind of needed a shake up for a little while now, and I think this is going to do it. You know, we're not seeing anything change on the Spider-Man front. So far, there's no announcements. Dan Slott's not going anywhere. You know, he's still got fresh stories going. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he was real clear about that on Twitter over the weekend. Not going anywhere. Yeah, oh, he's goodness. he's still telling fresh stories and he's he's able to do his own shake up because
1: well I, you know
4: fight and you'll see he's telling a different type of story I don't but- really see this as as an
1: event or a a change in strategy, it all seems pretty organic in that you know, Matt Fraction has been on Iron Man for forever and is clearly wrapping up that story. Bendis has been on the Avengers for forever and is clearly wrapping up that story. Yeah. And
4: Bendis even said in interviews that at this point, he's afraid of wearing out his welcome on Avengers. Yeah. He's running out of things to do with them. He wanted to go somewhere, do something different. And this is this actually seems to have kind of grown organically. Yeah. No, I just I think it is. I'm not even sure that that
1: absent a new 52, they would have branded this as any type of of change in direction or something. I think it would have just been, hey, we're announcing a new creative team. Um, you know, because I, we're still going to have the the same Marvel continuity. We're just going to have different writers on different books.
4: Unless which happens all the time. Yeah, this happens after big. You know, crossovers constantly. Right. And that's what we're seeing. This is happening after a big crossover. They're changing creative teams, switching things around, make their creators a little more happy. Yeah, it's it's only being made a thing because of the New 52 last year, I yeah. think.
1: I agree. I agree. But, you know, it's not a reboot, says Dan Slott. It but, but, is a reboot, says Gail Simone. But I right. say, is Gail Simone <laughs> actually writing anything for Marvel right now? No, she was just giving Dan Slott hell over the weekend. Yeah, they're
0: they're buddies, so they were just joking each other. But I don't know. I just I'm excited about some of the creative teams. We know we've talked about some of the others that we're just not keen on.
1: Yeah, Um, I really like Rick Remender, so I'm I'm excited to see him on the Avengers book. I'm a little surprised that they gave Rick Remender the inaugural title.
0: And again, I like Rick Remender. I I do, but he's not one of the architects. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> well, the fact that they gave him the biggest title and the only one that's been revealed to cover art and all that so far. I'm, i maybe they're you know, trying to bring in some fresh blood. But Are you
1: saying that Remender is more of like the plumber of the Marvel universe?
0: Well, I mean, we're talking about the guy who wrote Punisher. I mean he's not he's not written an A list title for
1: Marvel yet. Well, if you look
3: he's at written it, some good books for Marvel. That's right. That's I mean,
4: true. I love Brother Voodoo. His take on Brother Voodoo was fantastic. Oh, yeah. and don't well,
1: get me
3: wrong. I love Rick Remender.
0: We've had they, him on the show, and he's a great they guy. Talked
4: an interv- they talked in an interview about that, and they basically went through the books that he has done for Marvel, mm-hmm. and essentially mm-hmm. each one is a step up above the others. They started him off with Punisher, then they moved him to uh, Uncanny X-Force, then they gave him you know, an Avengers title. And they're seeing this as basically he's working his way up the ladder, and now he gets the big spotlight.
0: True. And I loved Uncanny X-Force. I'm not keen on his stuff on Secret Avengers. Uh, And this is another issue I have with Marvel now. Five Avengers titles? Seriously? (laughs) They're going to have Uncanny Avengers, Avengers, New Avengers, Avengers Assemble, and Secret Avengers. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, that's a little unnecessary. You, you can't give one of them a different name.
4: I have to say the uh, the book I'm probably most excited about out of all of this is New X-Men, which it, it kind of really surprises me that a book called New X-Men would excite me. Considering last time they named a book New X-Men, I quit buying everything X-Men related and was chased out of it because Grant Morrison was writing really bad X-Men stories. But – I like the story that they're setting up in New X-Men. I think it's going to be a very interesting, you know, thing for Bendis to explore. So more than any book, that's the book I'm excited about. Not even because of the creative team on it necessarily, although I'm a big Bendis fan, but just the story that they've that they're telling for their first arc. It's gonna be interesting.
0: What I find interesting is Marvel's doing the Spider Man thing with their X-Men title. Um, you know, doing the bi weekly thing. Yeah. Uh, I I'm, I'm 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 thinking that's a smart move because it works really well for Spider-Man. If the quality is there and they, they have a rotating team of artists that sound really great. Um, I think it'll be a good title. I I am excited about Marvel now.
4: So here's the difference though. With Spider-Man, well, there's not any more, but there was only one title. So going the bi-monthly really made sense. Now there's two titles and it's starting to make less sense, although none of us are buying Avenging, I don't think. But there's still a ton of X-Men titles that are gonna be out there. So I don't know that it makes as much sense to go bi weekly.
0: Yeah, but I think this is replacing two of them. Because Uncanny X Men is ending, and I believe so is the regular so is the adjectiveless X-Men. Um, I'd imagine, you know, uh, a couple of them are probably ending. Maybe even Uncanny X Force, I don't know. But so I I I think the bi weekly thing can work. I think it only works with Spider Man so well because of dan slot uh, i'm curious to see if it'll work with some of these other titles yeah Is
4: it, I, I think that not amazing- just because of dan slot but because of dan slot and because it's there aren't many spider-man titles so i agree this can work very well if they pare down the number of x-men titles well i, I think dan slot's lightning in a bottle
2: and i appreciate
4: yeah. that they're trying that they're trying to
1: uh, emulate that success but you've got to you 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 have really got to have it all fire in just right
0: yeah and uh one you, thing I'll say and it oh gosh, I was gonna follow up on your point. Well I you, you go right ahead. You know, Dan Slott, he said something on Twitter that was very interesting to me. He said how I play into the Marvel Now Initiative hasn't been announced yet. So I'm assuming you know, but he, he he has said that he's not going anywhere. He's right. staying on Spider Man. But is he writing another book that hasn't been
1: announced yet? I don't know how he'd write another book. Yeah, where would he find the time? Yeah, I mean I'm, his his Spider Man books are so are so well-crafted and, and he cranks out two of those mothers a month. I don't know. I don't know how he does that. Yeah, Maybe
4: Spider-Man Man titles are actually going to impact the larger Marvel universe for a Maybe. change. Because well, I mean, that. he's telling, he's t- telling world level stories that aren't impacting the world. You know, what, what I find amazing about amazing
1: Spider-Man is, you know, I've been reading some of the, uh, comiXology, uh, the, some of the Amazing Spider-Man books that were on sale on Comixology. and you know they're feeding into a lot of the current storyline. Like we talked about Shed and Grim Hunt last week, and while those stories are good, um, they miss the mark on the magic that is Spider-Man that Dan Slott understands so well. You know, I mean, when when you read Shed and you read Grim Hunt, you need a shower after. You know yeah. they're both extraordinarily dark and gritty books, um, and Dan Slott will tell a dark story, but you still he still captures that wonder that is Spider-Man, and so you know his success, and certainly there are elements of the fact that the market isn't just saturated with Spider-Man titles, um, but his success is that you know he cranks out two of those a month, he is controlling his universe, you know he. Because it's the same guy telling both of those stories, there is a through beat, and there is that sense of wonder that is key to the Spider-Man
2: character. Um, I, I and no, don't in no, no crossovers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, yes. look at other yeah. books we love, like Avengers Academy, yeah. that get sucked into crossover Thunderbolt, Thunderbolts. Same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. and I just i if you're if you're gonna try and re. Repeat that magic. You got to find somebody who can do, who can repeat that. You know, who who can you know mimic what uh, Dan Slott's doing, and you also have to allow them that that creative environment where they can have some control over what goes on with their character.
0: Oh, I agree, and I I absolutely agree. And I think you know Dan Slott has said issue seven hundred of Spider Man is Marvel universe altering. Um, he says it's literally the biggest thing he's ever written in his career. Um, so, And it affects the entire Marvel Universe. They had to call in all the architects and all that crap, because it's a book that will affect other books. So I'm very curious to see what what happens in issue 700 of Amazing Spider-Man. God damn
1: it, get an architect on the phone!
0: Uh, who who approved this? <laughs> Slagman! Slagman!
2: Slagman. <laughs> I,
4: I hold the hope for something that will never happen, and that's the... Uh, the undoing of all of the retcons and the returning of the marriage, but it'll okay. never happen. Yeah, no, that's,
0: that's not, not going to happen. happen, especially not with Gwen Stacy in the movie. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> never going to happen that time. Wayne, uh, that idea
2: is DOA. No, that was that was dead even before. I mean, that was even before Arrival. That was a uh, anyway. Let's go on. Uh, you know, speaking <laughs> of deaths, I hear there's going to be a death in Batman's family.
0: There's going to be a death of the family. Um, that's the name of the new storyline announced this week. Which actually, it's kind of funny. Marvel now was big news. This I I was even more excited about. Um, yeah. Finally, you know, in the, in the pages of Detective Comics number one, one of the I think the holy shit moment of 2011, if I remember correctly, in the funnies was Joker's face hanging on the wall in Detective Comics number one in the new 52. Now a year later someone is finally doing something with the Joker, and it's not Tony Daniel, who did Detective Comics, and is actually leaving Detective Comics. It's Scott Snyder. Um, following up the uh, Court of Owls storyline that ends with issue 11 in Batman, uh, there's going to be a one-shot in issue 12, and in issue 13, the return of the Joker, and a storyline called Death of the Family, uh, with art by Greg Capullo. I'm freaking excited about this one.
4: I'm looking forward to the art being leaked of what Joker looks like because they've lost me on this. I wanted that story a year ago when they first teased it. I bought extra issues of a title I wasn't enjoying because they kept doing – you know, at the very end, they would do a cliffhanger, and I kept thinking they're going to come back to this story. They stretched it on too long. This story should have happened a year ago. They've lost me. I'm not buying it. You know what I think happened
0: here? I think Tony Daniel, the writer artist of Detective Comics, had a plan, and I think Scott Snyder said, "Well, I want to do something with the Joker," <laughs> and DC was like, "Well, your title's selling more, so <laughs> you, you you get to do your thing with the Joker." And I think that partially might be why Tony Daniel is leaving his title right before this storyline happens in the other title. Um. I could be wrong. I mean, that is a hundred percent speculation, but it's kind of funny that Tony Daniel set this up, and Scott Snyder's the one running with it. You know, a year later.
4: Yeah, yeah I would this, have been the same level excited a year ago.
3: Is this going to be like Night of Owls, Paul?
0: I believe there it, it is going to cross over into the multiple Batman titles, and they did say that there will be multiple deaths in this storyline. Um, so I. I I'm on board. You know, the the way they're hyping this storyline, they're saying, you know, this is the darkest Joker you've ever seen. He's going to do things that we've never seen him do before. Um, They keep saying it's the Joker unleashed. And you know, I mean, I've seen some great Joker storylines before. I've seen some really shitty ones. (laughs) Uh, Remember the Last Laugh crossover? But I, I am, I am psyched about this one, especially the way Scott Snyder writes the book and the way he writes horror, especially. I think he is the perfect writer, and I love the preview art where they show the Joker like holding his face up oh, and yeah. looking
1: through it. Yeah, that that preview image is pretty badass.
3: Now, now, Paul, is there any truth to the rumor that this is the this is retaliation for the waffles for Stephanie Brown thing? Uh, that probably, they're going to yeah. bring her back just to kill her. Oh, we'll no, so. that, would be,
4: that would be great. See, you're you're safe here, Tim, too, because they said he's going to do something he's never done before. Joker's killed a Robin before, so I guess Damian Wayne is safe. I, I would be so happy if he got killed by Joker in this story. I would actually go ahead and buy the issue.
3: Well, the last time the Joker and Damian Wayne crossed paths, Damian Wayne kicked his ass with a crowbar. If I'm not yeah.
0: mistaken, he did. He did. He kicked his ass bad with the crowbar. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm excited I, I know you guys aren't reading batman regularly um i think what scott slayer's doing in the title is fantastic and i think he's the right guy to do a dark joker storyline and you know they're, they're hyping it like it's going to be a big thing
4: so
1: i'm on board yeah i am yeah. too I, i'm excited about the story
4: i yeah. wish i was excited because joker is my favorite villain of all time but i lost that excitement a year ago i really wanted that story then And if it would have come out, I would have been the most excited person on the podcast, glowing more than you are right now, Paul. Now,
1: you know, if uh, the Joker is Wayne's favorite Bat-Villain, I wonder how he would feel about the newest Bat-Villain, Birthday Boy. Oh, Jesus (laughs) Christ.
3: (laughs) What? You're not serious. All right. It's a thing, isn't it?
1: It is a thing. that's real? That's real. That happened this week. (laughs) Batman
2: XXX Earth's Porn Parody 2 Electric Boogaloo Is that where that happened? Or in the
1: pages Of Batman Earth 1
4: Oh, oh Like yeah. the
3: $87 book Or
1: whatever <laughs> <laughs> $22.99 cover
0: price uh, Jesus Christ <laughs> Written by Jeff Johns Art by Gary Frank The art was um, beautiful By the way The art was Amazing On Batman Earth 1 Gary Frank Drew the hell Out of this book Yeah I I think I enjoyed seventy five percent of the writing. <laughs> um, I, Aaron, you go ahead.
1: Well, you know, I think DC does a fantastic job on their original graphic novels. You know, I, I think that uh, they do a, they do a really good job of, of marketing them, building up the hype, getting people excited about them. You know, uh, Superman Earth One was a national <laughs> bestseller still performs well Mm -hmm. um and you know that was that was the 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 uh idea to bring batman earth one out as well you know and and kind of you know restating the character for folks who aren't going to comic book shops these are these are designed to in addition to selling them in comic book shops but primarily selling them at bookstores um and I think that's great, and I, th- I think that uh, you know Bob Wayne and, and the guys are uh, really just doing a doing a hell of a job telling the DC story out in the marketplace. But I had the same problem with Batman Earth One that I had with Superman Earth One, and that is that the origin is not the new origin is not distinctly different from the other origin, you know, from the from the origin that we know. And what I really disliked about Batman Earth 1 is that if you're going to to do this, if you're going to say, okay, let's, let's retell the Batman origin for a new generation. Let's do it better than previous origins, and let's have a great idea. You know, um, I, the whole time I was reading it, I was going, I think I'd really rather just be reading, you know, Batman Year One by Frank Miller. See, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was where I was with the book because – I didn't I thought the idea for Alfred was interesting. I didn't think it was interesting enough. Um
0: see I like the Alfred thing. I think the, the the changes to Alfred were really one of the strongest pieces of the book.
1: Okay, so to clarify for the listening audience, you know, the Alfred Pennyworth that we all know and love in in you know previous DC continuity is the the uh family servant to the Waynes and you know in in some stories it, it has been a lineage thing like his father you know served the Waynes and you know Alfred you know took on the role after his father retired from it. Um, the fella in Batman Earth one actually served uh, Afghanistan
0: yeah with Thomas Wayne
1: with Thomas Wayne and was a special Forces kind of guy and you know w- when Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father is running for mayor in Gotham City. He brings this guy in to run protection for the family.
0: And he fucks up his first night.
1: Well, and this is this was, I gotta tell you, and we're not spoiling anything because it happens in the first, you know, eight pages of the book. But, you know, Thomas Wayne feels strongly enough that he needs protection. He brings in Alfred Pennyworth, you know, special forces ops guy. And you know it's the night that they're all going to go see a movie with their son. And Alfred goes, "Well, let me come with you." He goes, "Oh no, you stay here. You thought it was important enough to bring him to town, to fly him <laughs> all the way in, but you're not going to use him the first night he's there." I'm just like, "This is so bad." Okay, I don't know what the hell Jeff Johns was smoking, <laughs> but that was the wrong that was the wrong way to set that up. You have him come the day after.
4: All right, Aaron, I have two questions about Batman Earth One Uh because I haven't bought it yet, and I probably will. Uh, Based on what we saw in Superman Earth One, does this seem to be the same universe for the two books, or are they completely and totally self-contained? Is there any hint that this is the same world Superman is?
1: you don't have to read superman to read batman i would i would suggest that the reason why there are no references to superman in this book um is because the origins are happening simultaneously
0: yeah there, there is okay. no there is no cross pollen books yeah very self-contained so far
4: but I, I there's no reason to believe that they're not the same universe Correct. okay the the second question is when they revamped Superman's origin, one of the things they did with it and one of the things I actually liked about it was the destruction of Krypton was something that was orchestrated. Mm-hmm. This was basically Krypton was killed. It didn't just you know blow up. So what I'm curious about based on what you how you described that, did they do something similar with Bruce Wayne's parents? Was this a random act of violence or is this an assassination?
0: Uh, the, that would go into some major spoiler territory yeah. in the book, but let's just say there is a similar twist in this book.
1: Yes. I, you know, I, I'm conflicted, uh, about this book, Paul, because on the one hand, you know, I was really excited to read it. I was, you know, it, it looks, I, I I'm a huge Gary Frank fan. Um, and so I was, I was very excited to pick this book up. Um, but I gotta tell you, I just, I, I don't think that the story was there.
0: No, and I'll agree with you. I think there were some wonderful story ideas. I like the Alfred Pennyworth thing. I like the fact that – spoilers on – Oswald Cobblepot is the mayor of Gotham, Um, which honestly already happened when Dan Slott was writing Batman Adventures, but we'll forget that that happened and we'll pretend that didn't happen and say it's an original idea Um, because – Didn't that
1: happen in the Tim Burton movie as well?
0: Oh, it did. You're yeah. right. So yeah, it, okay. So we, we, can't, it's a yeah. I like that idea that Oswald was the mayor of Gotham. Um, I like, I like some of the changes. I generally like uh, the Commissioner Gordon is kind of a dirty cop, and well, I like that Harvey Bullock is the clean cop.
1: And I, well, and I like that you kind of get to see. It really kind of gives you a preview of how Har- Harvey Bullock got where he got, or Harry Bullock oh, yeah. got where he got. Um, I, I like that part.
0: Um, oh, I did too. But I think, unfortunately, the villain of the piece. And birthday not talking, Boy. Birthday Boy was ridiculous. <laughs> Re- ridiculous. He, he was basically Bane with a, with a party hat on. That's exactly right. Um, now, and I'm not kidding. He was wearing a party hat. <laughs> yeah. But, you, kidding me. But, you know, it, but it was ridiculous. What made it even more ridiculous is you could have made the character Calendar Man, or even better, in this universe, you could have made the character Mr. Zaz. Yeah. There there are already serial killers in the Batman universe yeah. who are perfectly suited for this storyline. And they went with this new character who had a ridiculous character design. Um, took me out of the story entirely to see that character. Yep. I really would have preferred to see Zaz.
1: You know, I, I, I really appreciate the trade dress to uh the earth one books i think that you know they don't come with dust jackets the artwork is directly on the book um i think they're well put together i think they look great on the shelf um for both of the earth one books that we've seen so far i just wish the story was a little better yeah
0: i'm with you and i mean I, i know they're both origin stories and ultimately i enjoyed batman earth one just not enough yeah um not as much as i was hoping i really and with the a couple of things i'll have to say you know dc DC knows how to do original graphic novels. Yes. You put top tier teams, because this is, you know, we're, we've only referred to Earth One, but there was the new Teen Titans book by Marv Mar Wolfman and George Perez. Yes. The uh, uh, games. Games. Yes. Yeah. Games. I mean, you put top tier teams, and, you know, price to sell. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say the only thing that Marvel has on top of that is that they give away free digital copies. Totally agree. OGNs. Totally. And I, I was hoping for the same with this book. Um, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, but what Marvel? But what, like I said, what DC has is they put their top tier teams, whereas Marvel puts like, you know, Schlagman and
1: well, you know, and they'll put a good writer on it. Like uh, I, I saw on the the season one previews this week, you know, Greg Pack is writing one. I love Greg Pack. but the artists that they've got on them just are not remarkable whatsoever. And I have looked at I think three of their season ones now. So I've looked at Fantastic Four, Spider Man, and what was the other one? Ant Man, Hulk. Uh, Those haven't come out yet. I was thinking about the ones that have already come out. So Spider Man, X Men, Daredevil, Daredevil, and they're just not. There's just nothing there. There's there's no passion to it. There's there's nothing new on the page. The only thing I'm excited about on the one that they just announced about Ant Man coming out is that you know that's not an origin story that's just beaten up. You know, it's not one that you've seen over and over and over again. So maybe there'll be something fresh there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love original graphic novels. I, I love, love them.
1: them. They just have to be done right. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know. Well, and, and take a look. I mean, DC, from announcement to delivery, what are we talking about, over a year for Batman Earth One? Yeah, over a year. Marvel just seems to be cranking through their season ones. I mean, I don't yeah. feel like any like the love and preparation is there. I mean, I, I think DC owns this space in the market I, they, they are they are the guys to beat they're doing just a fantastic job on the production I just wish the story was a little bit better tweaked
4: well I also think the big difference is the uh, the season ones over at Marvel seem like watered down stories the stories in DC seem like new fresh takes yeah the quality of the story that's up for debate but they're at least doing different things and they're telling a different story I- I think the, the big tell on earth one
1: is going to be the second book in each of the, each of the series, you know, like we've
4: got, we've got the second
1: book coming from JMS and Shane Davis on Superman earth one. I think that's due out this fall. Um, I think that's going to be the big tell. Can they tell an ongoing story in the universe? Do they have other stories to tell with, 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 these characters in this setting? That's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah.
0: And I hope they crank out Batman earth one Two. Next year, yeah. I hope it doesn't take as long. I know the reason this one got delayed is because they wanted to release it right before Dark Knight, right? Because um, uh, you know Gary Frank even said he had like six months of free time, and that's why he started doing Shazam.
1: Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, uh, I'm ex- I, I am cautiously excited about the future of Earth One. I just, you know, I, I want I want it to feel significantly different from what we get week to week in the regular DCU. That's what we're looking for. Agreed.
0: Now, you can't go more different than before Watchmen from the DC universe, though. (laughs) Uh, Ozymandias, or Ozymandias? Ozymandias! Ozymandias, issue one, came out this week. Uh, Aaron and I read it. Written by Len Wein, the editor on the original original Watchmen, uh, with art by Jay Lee.
1: I got to tell you, Jay Lee was made to draw this book.
0: Oh, my God. This is the most beautiful book I've seen in years. I mean, it's gorgeous.
1: Yeah, it is It is off the charts amazing in terms of, of the artistic style in the book. It is just – I mean, I, I was like, you know, if everyone – if all of my history lessons could have looked like this. <laughs> oh, I know. Really, it, 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 it's almost
0: too gorgeous. Yeah. Because then you get annoyed that there is there are words on the page writes a very wordy book. Um, He has a very classical sense of storytelling. So there's a lot. He he is very much a tell don't show (laughs) type of guy or tell and show. Right. um, Type of guy. And uh, so you almost wish there were less words on the page.
1: But, you know, I enjoyed the story as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree. I, I think it was, again, a little wordy. Yeah.
0: But I enjoyed this book very much.
1: Yeah, and you know, a lot of times when when there's a whole bunch of words on the page, I get frustrated by it. The only frustration there was that you're covering up too much of this beautiful artwork. Um, but I enjoyed the story. You know, it's it's an origin story for Ozzy Mendez in this first issue, and kind of putting him on the path for his ultimate solution in the pages of Watchmen. Um, you you kind of understood the character, and, and you're getting a better understanding of why he's doing the things he's doing. And I just I dug it. I mean, it's, it's just
4: fantastic.
0: It's the best before Watchmen book not written by Darwin Cook. I would agree. <laughs> basically. Um,
4: Which one's yeah. Darwin Cook writing? Minutemen and uh, Silk Spectre. Ah, I actually read both of those books this week. Uh-huh. And what would you think, Wayne? Uh, Minutemen, I thought, was pointless. I didn't really see why the book. You know, was there what it was doing? Silk Spectre, though, I thought was absolutely incredible. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it added something to her character. It's, I had a, and a misunderstanding, I guess, of what before Watchmen was going to be. Going in, I was kind of given the impression that it, we were going to see superhero action from these characters back in their heyday, and that was something I never wanted to see from the Watchmen world. But that's not what I'm getting out of the uh, the books that I picked up and read. I mean, the Silk Spectre is her as a teenager, and it's actually it's just about her character, and it actually feels like Watchmen did. So I really enjoyed that. Minutemen seemed like it was kind of a rehash of stuff we'd seen, and there just didn't seem it didn't seem to add anything to the overall story, and that's why I kind of felt like it didn't have a purpose. But Silk Spectre was really good. It was one of my favorite books to read this past week. So I I will admit that I had a misunderstanding of what they were doing with Before Watchmen. And there is there is some merit to some of these books.
1: So it sounds like what you're saying, Wayne, is that you were wrong. I, I am saying that.
4: <laughs> okay, so I could had, you could you actually say it though? I had a
2: misunderstanding <laughs> and I was wrong.
3: <sighs>
2: excellent you know, i I've, I've heard i think I think maybe even i 've heard other people say that about the Minutemen the first and how they didn 't feel like it went anywhere and and, and I kind of see that because it 's very much well here 's a you know two pages about each of these heroes and and we 're not really going to bring them together or move things forward but i 'm hoping that Starting the next issue, you know, with the whole Captain Metropolis inviting everybody out to his fortress that you're going to start seeing what I think it sounds like you like out of the Watchmen universe, which is the fact that the heroes are not good people and they're not really special people. They're just very, you know, they talk about in the the Watchmen trade and, and, you know, behind under the hood story about what type of person really wants to put on a mask and pretend to be a superhero and Mm -hmm. and. You know, these aren't necessarily good people or even stable people, and they all are really very flawed. And I think hopefully we'll see that as they start to gather together.
4: Yeah, as of right now, the the only series I plan on continuing to get is Silk Spectre. But I'm going to be listening to some of these reviews that you guys give about others, particularly uh, Rorschach. I want to know what that series is going to be like, but I don't want to jump right into it because some of the most difficult parts of Watchmen for me were rorschach related
0: is rorschach this week i hope so i don't think so i think minutemen number two is this week but i don't think rorschach comes out yet
1: wow they sure are holding on to that rorschach book
2: well and and dr manhattan hasn't come out yet either yeah everyone
4: knows i have a problem with uh you know any kind of animal abuse in comics oh yeah and that was why those pages were really hard to read in the original Watchmen. So yeah. I'm going to let other people, particularly Aaron, be the uh, be the testing point for that because I know that he would he would know what would disturb me in the book. So I'm your canary in the coal mine, is what you're telling me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of abuse, you know, oh, if Lord. you look books about. Children Getting Abused, Danger I, Club... I is, love children being abused. Then you should be reading Danger Club, because children get abused all sorts of ways in that book.
2: I gotta tell you, this book was amazing. I, uh, You know, the second one was kind of a step down. It's kind of a breather, but th- book three has just got me right back uh, up into high gear, because, you know, again, it seems like a theme. They have the two plot lines running throughout the book, and both of them, though, just had me gripped
0: Oh, I know. You know. So in Danger Club number three, You know, we, we talked about this. The, the heroes have left, supposedly left the planet. You find out a little bit more about that in this issue. Um, and their sidekicks are left behind, and they're basically fighting against each other and taking down villains. And the world has basically gone to shit. But there are some – and so this storyline – this book follows two storylines, uh, one with a team of superheroes who – unfortunately you know get taken over by mind control and the other one with the character who's confronting i believe the president of the united states
1: that is correct former superhero president of the united states yeah
0: former superhero president of the united states and both of them
2: have very shocking endings oh oh oh, it's so good I, I'm telling you, I know Danger Club, I don't think they're quite hitting once a month. I think maybe it's a little slow uh, on the release dates. But I got to tell you, this this book is just phenomenal. And, and the art, Eric Jones is just tearing up the art.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I love the art on this book. I, I think it fits the story really well. And just the, that last page, wow. Oh, yeah. We're not going to ruin it for you because no, I'm not it,
0: it – it, 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 there is no, You have to read it to get the impact.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Aaron, did you read this book?
2: I did. I liked it rather
0: a lot. Oh yeah, this is a great book. I, I, it seems like it's going to be a mini series. I, I was wondering if it was going to be ongoing or mini, but it seems like they are building towards a definitive end to this
1: storyline.
2: Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hope not. I would. I mean, I would love to see this as an ongoing.
2: And honestly, I mean, just like Superbia, if it sells well enough, it'll be back, even if it is only originally designed as a mini. Yeah. Because, I mean, Superbia was the four issue, but if you read that last issue, uh, obviously it sounds like they're coming back with more issues in the near future. So, uh, And they're going to continue the story along. So if it's financial success, then uh, we'll get more.
1: I hope so. I because you know, we have all responded really positively to Danger Club, and uh, I I'm, I'm digging it. I, I I'd like to see more in this universe.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, so buy Danger Club because uh damn damn good book, uh, damn good superhero book. Dark superheroes, uh, definitely worth picking up.
1: Now, in in terms of exploring universes, Wayne and I have been reading Earth Two from in in the universe of the DC's New Fifty Two. It's not. In that universe, I guess I should say. It's in the line of the New 52 books. It's adjacent to – it's that universe right next door.
2: Universe adjacent.
1: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, Wayne, tell me about this week's uh, issue of Earth 2, issue number
4: three. So I am still loving every book that they release as part of Earth 2 that I'm reading. There may be others out there I'm not reading. Like if they release a Mr. Terrific book, I'm not going to read that because that's a boring character. But – what I'm liking about Justice Society, and I want to hate, I want to hate this book. I want to hate Earth too because I like Justice Society and I like them being the original heroes. But the writing is so damn good on this book that I can't hate it, and I'm absolutely loving it instead. I like the revamped origins for each of these characters so far. The uh, we've seen Flash's origin is that he has the powers given to him from Hermes. In the case of Green Lantern, the Green has chosen him as its warrior, and I like you know I like the costume and that it's something that his mind had created for him, but that he is it is magic based powers instead of being some precursor to the actual Green Lanterns. Right. Um, that Wait, he When
0: ha- you say the Green,
4: are you referring to the same Green as Swamp Thing? There is heavy hints to that because there is the Green and there is the Gray. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, t- to mention it was to throw that out for you, Paul. That the Green has chosen him. The Earth is the Green, and the Green has chosen Alan Scott to be its warrior. And then the Gray has chosen its warrior. And I don't want to give away that last page because I got giddy to see who the Gray's warrior was and to see the new revamped look for him.
1: But didn't you kind of know who the who that warrior was going to be when you when when they started? You know, all of the uh, the life was coming out of, of various portions of the earth. Didn't you kind of get who they were going for?
4: I didn't pick up on it at all. Well, I was did. I was trying to figure out who it would be to be pulling the life out of the earth. And it made sense once I got there. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't know what characters are going to move over into Earth Two, right. And which ones are going to keep in the regular world. That wasn't a character I thought they would bring over into Earth Two. I will say that
1: the villain has a nice redesign. Uh, I, I was I was happy to see ha- the the new design for this villain. Um, this issue picks up right after issue two, where. Uh, uh, you'll recall issue two is when it was revealed that Alan Scott, the Earth two uh, Green Lantern, is gay, and he was just about to propose uh, to his boyfriend when the the train goes off the rails, literally, not metaphorically, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know we it opens up this book and the uh, uh, every, everybody on that car was killed, um, including his fiance or who would have been his fiance and so we're we're using that
4: death as part of his motivation you know yeah. and that was one other thing i i don't think i answered about it on here but i was bothered that that was the character they picked for it because i was such a huge fan of jade right and nobody cares about obsidian so we, he the fact that he's gone no i don't care about but the fact that we we don't have jade right now was something that had bothered me but They've done something here that actually really added to this character and made him a more well rounded character. He needed a focus point for the power. You know, the green told him, you need something that means something to you that you can use to focus the power. And the natural reaction is here is the ring I was proposing with. And that ring is made into a Green Lantern ring. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That is a powerful, powerful character motivation. Yeah. That, yes, I'm going to miss Jade. And every – there's just a list of reasons why I should hate this book. And I'm enjoying every single page of it. All of this uh, Earth 2 stuff is some of my favorite books coming from DC right now.
1: I I agree. And I think it's because we don't have a lot of – we're not coming into it with a lot of baggage. You know, when 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 you and I go to a Superman book, Wayne, we have certain expectations about a Superman book. And yeah. you, you and I find that we get disappointed around Superman quite a bit. Um, so when they come in with a title like Earth 2, we don't have a lot of that baggage. Sure, you know, you're going to miss Jade. Uh, and sure, I prefer the golden era, the golden age costumes for the Justice Society. Still... You know, It's not near the baggage that we come to a Superman book with. So I think that, that that coupled with the fact that James Robinson is writing an amazing book and is bringing some fresh ideas to it and that Nicola Scott is tearing up the pencils on this book, uh,
4: there is just nothing to complain about in the Pages of Earth too. Yeah, and I mean we're not, one of the books we're not talking about this week is going to be uh, World's Finest. I'm loving what they're doing over there too it's everything tied to this earth to has been an interesting story yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff i you know i
1: i am happy that there are a few books now that I'm really digging over there in the in the, in DC because you know I fell off of so many of the New Fifty Two books because I just wasn't satisfied with where they were going and I know I'm only three issues in to Earth Two. I am totally that guy who goes out with a woman on on a date and wants to move in, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm that guy. I'm a nester. So uh, I, I'm hoping that Earth Two doesn't let me down.
0: Well, well, speaking of things that you hope don't let you down. Aaron, how are you enjoying that uh, AVX crossover?
1: You know, I am. <laughs> we, I am totally the battered wife in the scenario. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I let uh, John Romita Jr. and you know the various writers on the first you know six issues, first five issues of uh, AVX knock me around and disappoint me. And then, you know, we get the wonderful Jonathan Hickman Olivier Copiel issue last last time around. And I was like, Oh, yeah. We've we've gone through the through the bad part. Marvel has 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 changed. They're gonna treat us right from here on out. And then they give me a goddamn Matt Fraction book this time. Oh my god. Did you love it? Oh you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I am gonna set fire to this book. <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah, it, it was it was balls. It God, was really really shitty. It
4: really I was. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm not screwing with you here. I really enjoyed this book. I think this is the best Matt Fraction written book that we've seen in years. But I enjoyed the aspect of the Avengers being hunted. I liked everything they were doing with Scarlet which I didn't like everything on the page. I hated every page that Tony was in. I hated the art with Tony because Tony looked more like Wolverine than he did Tony. There were things I really disliked about the book, yes. But I enjoyed this more than I've enjoyed most of the rest of AVX. Well, I I don't know what to say after that. I I'm really su- <laughs> I'm really surprised to hear the how much you guys re- really hated this. I mean, I haven't been enjoying AVX for most of the uh, the crossover, and, and I'm an idiot to keep buying it, but I keep buying it because I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. And you're you're a battered battered spouse. You know? Yeah, yeah. And like you guys, I thought the last issue was uh, was pretty good. I didn't like it as much as you guys did, but I thought it was pretty good. But yeah, I enjoyed the uh, the fights in this one, the hunting the the uh, the power corrupting these X-Men the seeing uh, Emma Frost cheating on Scott seeing uh, Namor crossing the line yet again. I mean this I like the repercussions that have to come out of this book. I mean, yeah i I think that there's a good chance Cyclops may not survive the title, but <laughs> I'll be happy about that too. Hey, um, did I miss something? When
0: did uh Emma Frost and Namor start doing it?
1: They have been uh flirting around with each other since um I wanna say civil not Civil War. Civil War. You know, back when they were they were having their secret meetings with, you know, Doctor Doom and all those guys. Oh yeah, that's right. Not yeah. civil wars, post civil war. It would have been uh,
4: Dark Reign. Yes, no, or whatever it was called. The flirting. I've never seen the outright kiss before this book, though. That's like crossing the line past the flirting. They're just uh, at this point. I just imagine they're off doing it somewhere.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And maybe I'm, I'm not reading Uncanny X-Men, so maybe it actually is happening. But it kind of took me off guard. And maybe you know they're just under control of the Phoenix Force, but. I just uh, I I was like whoa 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 what's happening here? <laughs> but well I you know what I said that pretty much the entire twenty two pages.
4: So I don't here's what I don't get. What did you guys hate out of the book? Is there anything you can point to, or was it just the book in general that you disliked? Everything
0: I, I can I can point to certain many number of things. I felt the book was pointless. The story did not progress any more than what we got in last issue, other than Namor. What, what happened to this issue could have happened in three pages. Yep. Um,
1: it was and, the and, decompressed uh, storytelling. I mean, yeah. it, I, it feels artificially long.
0: And characters ad- acting out of character, which yeah. is common yeah. with fraction it, it felt like fear itself. You know, you've got yeah. characters talking like they wouldn't talk, doing things they wouldn't do. You know, okay, so they're searching all over for the Avengers. Why are the, I mean, like, it, it just, it was jumbled. You know, the Avengers are here. No, they're here. No, they're here. And, you know, it just... And the, the whole storyline of, you know, we're going to disguise people to look like Scarlet Witch. You know, what was that the point That lasted all
2: of two
4: minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was, I felt like there was just a whole bunch of pointlessness in this book.
4: Yeah, and see, I saw it as a lot of character development for some of these characters. We are advancing the the Phoenix force is corrupting each and every one of the characters that has it. And Cyclops is, this is the first redeeming book for Cyclops in this entire series. It's the first time where I've seen anything from him that makes me think maybe there's some hope for this character.
3: Let me, let me ask you guys something because I saw the cover for, I don't know if it's nine or 10, uh, last of understanding, last of understanding. I. After last week's conversation, I'm like, is it worth getting back on this book? And now I'm like, no, it's not, because you have too many cooks in the kitchen, it sounds I, like. I,
1: I think that is fundamental to the problem on this book. Now, I will say Olivier Copiel's artwork was fantastic. I didn't have the concerns that Wayne did. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time going, well, I really wish Matt Fraction's words weren't on the page here. And I know we, we, we are we tease Matt Fraction quite a bit, but I am not I, – I am consistently
4: not enjoying what he writes. Yeah, and let me clarify here, Aaron. I, except for Tony Stark, I love the art in this book. I love every character how they look except for Tony Stark. Tony Stark I thought looked like Wolverine. First time I saw him on the page, I thought it was Wolverine. I was, it kind of threw me. But everyone everyone else and through the art through the entire rest of the book, I loved –
1: yeah, I I'm I'm I was disappointed with uh, the the writing on this book.
4: He draws a hell of an Emma Frost.
1: Yes, he does. And I like the way he draws
4: magic. Yeah, you know, the the character.
1: I, I guess <laughs> I might be the only one there.
0: <laughs> You're not the only one there. I thought I mean his art was gorgeous. And but his art was gorgeous on uh Thor also. Yes. You know, he's not the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree.
0: So I'm sorry, I really, I'm,
1: I you know, I, I don't. I think it would be real easy for our listeners, to, listeners, to say, "Oh, you know, Aaron and Paul are just going to say the same things they always say about Matt Fraction." You know, uh, no, I would, I would, no. I would really like to be able to say something nice. I really would. I, yeah. I, I would like to be able to say, you know what? Despite the fact that uh, you know. Uh, we have had these these other past negative experiences with this with this talent. Um, I really enjoyed this book this
4: week. I would like to be able to say that I have not. I, been I would say I am saying that because despite the fact that I've had the really bad experiences with him in the past, I thought this was the best writing that he has done in a long time, and I do mean long time.
2: I'm kind of with Tim on this one. I'm very happy I wasn't tempted back into the series last week, uh, our last issue, because uh, just like him, you guys were talking about how great uh, it was. I was like, hmm, maybe I should get back in. But no, I'm I'm content that I stayed off. I'll
3: tell you right now, though, Last Avenger Standing is going to get a flip through.
4: Yeah, just Just for that cover. Damn, that cover was good. Yeah, that cover has me excited for the book. and. It shouldn't, because the track record of this series <laughs> no, it does it not live up to that cover at all. Well, let me tell you, if
0: Matt Fraction is writing the book, then Spider-Man is going to run cowardly away from the end of the world. No. Just no, like he not. did in Fear Itself. Oh, this is the end of the world? Uh, Cap, I'm going to sit this one out and you know go kiss my aunt goodbye. Yeah, that that's what's going to happen. FYI.
4: Oh, and if that does happen, the uh, the ranting on here... That I will do will know no ends. Uh, it,
3: this one, the, that one specifically, is written by Jason Aaron. Ooh, I do like Jason Aaron. All
4: right, speaking of Spider Man, yes,
3: Spider Man <laughs> Six Eighty Nine came out this week. This is a continuation of the the uh, Lizard, Morbius, Spider Man, Devil's Triangle story that I'm not liking.
4: Wow. <laughs> so, I have to say, this is the best Spider-Man story since I've jumped back on.
3: Oh, God, Wayne.
4: This is the Spider-Man... You
3: are, you are topped off with wrong today.
4: Well, remember, <laughs> I'm not as big a fan of the Dan Slott Spider-Man as everyone else. I've been enjoying it, but not as much as everyone. This is the first story that I've read of the Dan Slott Spider-Man that I've taken seriously. All of the others have come off as a bit too cartoony. This and one... Fun? I, and we mentioned fun. They've the been s- fun, yeah, but they've been. I couldn't take any threat seriously throughout the entire run up until now. This darker storyline has been really good. It's the first one I can take seriously.
3: All right, let's we'll, we'll back up a second. Yeah, when the Sinister I'm on your When side, the Sinister, Tim. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I'm on your side with this one, Tim. When the Sinister Six took took out the avengers and left spider-man there with like the b team
4: it was still done cartoony it was still done too fun i never once during the course of that storyline got the indication that it was as serious as the story was yes it should have been this big serious tension building moment the only tension building moment really in that entire storyline which i really enjoyed was with rhino and uh uh, Rhino and Silver Sable.
3: Wayne, you're so wrong. Andrew just left the podcast. That's what just happened. He's
4: gone. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've jumped back onto you know, Spider-Man a while ago, and I've been enjoying the book. But that is the thing I can point to. The thing that's been keeping me from enjoying the book as much as everyone else has is I just haven't been able to take it seriously. Well, it's just been can... too cartoony for me up until this point.
3: I can appreciate the, the want and need for a darker Spider-Man story that I can understand that. And that's what this is. This is doing. I I just, I don't care about the lizard and I don't care about Morbius. That's, that's my problem. And when you mix them two the two together, it's not like you get, it's not like a Reese's. You don't get peanut butter and chocolate put together to make a good, you know, candy bar.
4: And that is totally fair, because I, I do agree with you there. I have never cared about uh, the lizard. Morbius has been done wrong, wrong more than he's been done right. But this is the best lizard story I've ever read. Well... I,
1: I would and, like to recommend you to read Shed. Shed is is yeah. awful damn good. Yeah, Shed is fantastic.
0: And I, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and Shed... Here's my issue with this current storyline um, No turning back. And I love Dan Slot. I like the writing. My issue isn't with the writing, it isn't even with the penciler. My issue is with the coloring on this book. I feel that the coloring of this book is too light for the story that this is supposed to portray. It's supposed to be a dark storyline. And, you know, it's written like a dark storyline, but everything takes place in well lit. I mean, it's the it's the best lit sewer I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) You know, well, (laughs) if anybody knows sewers, it's Paula Ponte.
4: Yeah. You know, Paul, and this is what I'm really going to back you up on, because if you'll remember, in the first issue of the storyline, I went off on the art on the faces as I looked back at it more and more. Because at the time I said I wasn't sure if it was the art or the color as I went back and looked at it closer and really tried to pin down what it was. I really think it was the color. None of the colors were right on any of the characters' faces. And particularly Peter, when he didn't have his mask in that first issue of the storyline, didn't look like Peter because his hair was completely the wrong color. So I think that most of my criticism of the art really goes to the colorist. So I, I'm going to back you up on there that uh, they needed a different colorist for this, you know, this arc. Yeah, That is, it not,
3: was... that is not my problem with this book. All my right, my major it. problem with this book was three quarters of the way through this book, I was cheering against Spider-Man because he was being a little bit of a dick. He was being a little bit of a dick. I, You know, and I understand he was pissed off because one of his friends got bitten, but he's, he's, the, he's a smart guy. He should know enough to know that when the guy's like, you know, oh, I wasn't in my right mind. He's, you know, had enough contact with his character. I mean, Morbius helped him in Maximum Carnage. They've had, like, this... On again, off again, love thing going on, or whatever. It, you know, there's 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 enough to know that the guy is not completely off off the rails, and see, he's treating him like an animal.
4: And see, I see it that he keeps giving him chances, and he keeps getting disappointed. Like Morbius will help him, and then the next storyline, Morbius is a big bad guy again. I'm not angry, Morbius. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Well,
3: the thing Makes is, is that wouldn't you want it to try to help him cure the thing instead of just kick his ass? All you know. Well, I, I, you,
1: you have to I, – I, I, have you read Shed? No. OK. So in Shed, Billy dies. And Billy dies so – Spider-Man has to make a choice between saving a woman that the lizard has injured and is bleeding out or going to stop the lizard. Well, he, he, he takes care of the woman that's there – Well, meanwhile, the lizard kills Billy. So Spider-Man's got a lot invested here and a lot of that Peter Parker guilt about Billy. So what happens? Morbius digs up Billy. I absolutely understand where the character's coming from. Maybe what they didn't do is communicate well enough in the book so that a reader who hasn't read Shed could feel that same thing. But I completely picked up on why... Uh, Peter Parker was being such an ass to Morbius.
4: Yeah, that sounds like some really interesting character moments. When Peter has to make that choice, is it a matter of he chooses not to go stop Lizard because he doesn't think Lizard would ever actually kill Billy? There's a lot of that in the book. That he thinks that Kirk Connors
1: wouldn't allow him to, wouldn't allow the Lizard to do that. Shed is really good. It's extraordinarily dark.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hundred times darker than this story. Yeah,
1: But, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm really enjoying this storyline. Of course, I'm a Morbius fan. You know, I've always enjoyed Morbius the Living Vampire. Um, I always like the way he interacts with Spider-Man. Um, I dug
4: this. I like the book. I could do without the couple pages of Madame Web, though. I'm really sick of the character, which is sad because in street clothes, she's kind of hot.
1: I like the metaphysical aspect of Spider-Man, and I like when they when they when they ping that with Madame Web.
4: I like it. I usually do. I don't like this version of Madame Web. She's just annoys me. I will say that uh,
1: having recently finished the Grim Hunt, though, uh, you know, I just felt dirty after that.
3: <laughs> you know, I think Wayne's going to get his wish about darker darker storylines because it seems like the next storyline is. Basically, Spider-Man going off his rails.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I get that as well.
3: So, uh, how did you guys like the Ultimate Edition of Spider-Man this week?
4: Loved it. I really like Miles Morales as a character. I uh, basically up till now, it's they've been doing character moments with them. We've been kind of seeing the character develop, but I thought this issue in particular. We got to see some real personality from Miles, and we get to see who the character actually is under the mask, more so than we have in some of the previous issues, leading up to his own moment of guilt that we'll see in future issues. Yeah. I, you know, up till now, I've really enjoyed the book. I've loved everything they've been doing with Miles, but it's been kind of a read it and eventually they'll probably bring back Peter Parker. At this point, I think now we've reached the turning point where we're going to get a Spider-Man that's different from Peter besides just the powers that are different.
1: No, I agree, and I, I think Miles is a, uh, is, a, is a strong character in his own right. Uh, I, I, I think that, that Bendis is, is telling a unique story here, and I really like that we didn't get – that Miles only allowed himself to be bullied a little bit by his uncle. And now he's, you know, setting his uncle straight. I'm yes. digging that
4: story. That he stood up, that he chose to fight him. The uh, that fight was great too. Yeah, and the uh, artwork on the book is amazing. You know,
1: it's it's the ultimate, I should say. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean the uh, the the artwork is just amazing by this Marquez fellow, uh, um, David Marquez really very good the lots of of nice fluid looking action from uh, spider man particularly when he's when he's
4: fighting his uncle really very good yeah i say i really i'm enjoying the book as something that is a different kind of a spider man story because it's it really is his own spider man this e- isn 't just trying to retell stories he's telling a new story with a new character
1: now i I was surprised um that uh, you didn't have some things to say about you know miles working without his mask
4: you know normally that would bother me but in this case it i mean it, i don't know it just didn't bother me like it does with peter yeah because he doesn't do it very he doesn't do it as often as peter you know does in some of the movies yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where i want to see a hero that's willing to do things you know it's more important that they're doing something super heroic than saving their identity they should take every effort possible to keep their identity a secret but that shouldn't stop them from saving people yeah so ultimate
1: spider-man uh still a fantastic book uh i have i have enjoyed it since the beginning with uh the new miles morales character and i I, you know I, i wayne i think it's am i correct to state that you had a lot of reservations going into this but but that it's winning you over
4: yeah, I was afraid it was going to be basically just a publicity stunt, and that's not what it's been. It has been a solid story. Good stuff.
0: This is the end of our 150th
3: episode.
1: That is uh, that is pretty fantastic. 150 episodes of funny
3: books. Really? That's yeah. true. It's Maybe big... that's something we should have led with, kids. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> maybe i had to put a little more effort into telling wayne and everybody else they're wrong <laughs> i think i think honestly it's kind of funny because i think at one point everybody pissed everybody else off at some point <laughs> It was phenomenal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that 100... said, this
1: is the last episode of Funny Books. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, see, the last episode cannot be until after 177 days, 14 hours, 58 minutes, and 11 seconds. <laughs> after that, there has to be one more episode at least.
0: Yeah, one more episode with Wayne.
1: Just <more>. <sighs> oh. Guys, a-
4: I think we need to find a way to embed the countdown on the website somewhere
1: <laughs> I'll get <you> on that Paul <laughs> could you do that for me <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I'm a delegator uh, I delegate
3: <laughs> uh, just before we, we uh, end here uh, if you check out the feed you'll see that another Knights of Rainsboro uh, episode has dropped Roses of
1: Rainsboro, escape from Dogger Island.
3: Yeah, this is the one that I, I ran at Fear the Con, OSHA, many months ago. Featuring Special Pudding.
4: And special Pudding. If that's not enough Knights of Rainsboro for you, just do what I just did. And go back and re-listen to all of Season 1. Because I just listened from, you know, starting at Episode 1 all the way up to the finale. And even though I was there for it, I still... Really enjoyed re-listening to it.
3: Okay, so for our 150th episode, before we go, I've, I've got a special guest for 10 seconds. Hold on. Well, the DJ Kitty is Wayne's.
1: Yeah, but DJ- I thought maybe DJ Kitty
4: was traveling today. No, DJ She's Kitty awesome. is asleep. I'm looking at DJ Kitty right now.
2: Lucky DJ Kitty.
4: Ah. Whoa, look at that! It's years. Mrs.
1: Tim.
2: Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you know, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs>